Hello and welcome back to Widowed AF. I'm your host, Rosie Gilmoss, and my co-host today is the lovely Jonathan Gilmoss. Hi, Rosie. Hi, everybody. So today we are going to have a little bit of a chat about Nikki's episode, which went out on Monday. That one was called Taboo AF, and it was a little bit more... Um, risque there was a little bit more so to say adult content in it uh, we kept it fairly clean uh because i think at some point we may delve a little bit deeper into that topic but um really i'd like to do it in a sort of round table setting so we're today i'm actually recording in um in an annex in our garden which is going to become more of a studio workspace and hopefully i'll have the facility to bring people in and talk in person because I don't realise it's quite complicated and sound is an issue. And so we we are still kind of novices at this. We've only been in the podcast world since January. So hopefully I'll be able to facilitate that sometime soon. Now, John, yeah. I'm going to put you on this spot and make you talk about the sexy episode. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, any takes from it? Because I was sat on the interview, you, you edit them, but that's very different to being sat in there because you can't ask questions. Uh, so, um. I mean, before the interview did have questions, I'll be honest, and it was all around the, the safety of us, us widows um, and safeguarding those because there are predators out there, there are grief tourists out there, that there's a whole host of just, I don't know, just not very good people. Um, and in the normal dating world, as, uh, as we briefly saw, um, it's a bit of a cesspool. And I did have concerns about, well, how are you going to police this? How are you going to make sure they're all widows and everything else? And... Um, she quite succinctly answered every single question that, that we had. Yeah, to be honest, I, I had it for visions of you coming like a bit like the widow dad and sort of, because, you know, we, we feel very protective of our tribe, yeah. don't we? And of asking some kind of harder hitting questions we thought we may have afterwards. But actually, she reassured kind of pretty much all my concerns, to be honest, because I had, you know, questions about whether it was necessary, whether, you know, because Tinder's out there and if you are looking for just that kind of physical connection, I mean, I. I Guess that's what Tinder's for, but I understand really that if you are kind of poking your head above that parapet and you're, you're dipping your toe into the water, whatever metaphor you want to use, um, it is scary. And perhaps going to something that's a bit smaller because it, obviously Tinder's enormous, isn't it? And also somewhere where other people have had uh, this a similar sort of pain as you, you you would hope that people would maybe be a little bit more kind with with people's hearts. Like I, I don't think this is always the case in any any area <laughs> of widow dating, but. I, I like the fact that there's a space for us. I do. I think that is quite nice, actually. Yeah, and also the you know the world of dating we saw oh, when we when you met Ben and I met Sarah, it's not the world of dating that's out there right yeah. now. You know, no. I, I come from an era where they were still making videotapes and dating agencies. Not not that I did, by the way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was in all the American rom coms. You know, you had the video of your friend, and then he goes out and and they get them the date, but. Then you into this bit where you swipe left or right, whether you like him or not, and it's like, oh my god! And it's and it's so instant and so physical and it's so filtered. I mean, oh, a little insight into John and I. We both sort of tentatively, you know, joined Bumble. I think when um, you know, we were sort of wanting. I think mine was as much a morbid curiosity. As yeah, like me, too, like, me too. Because yeah, I mean, Ben and I used to say we should both join and see if we match, like just for a. Obviously, we didn't do it because that would have been weird. But <laughs> you, you, because neither of us have ever seen this world, um, and we, because we'd obviously been talking, you know, it's probably a part of a, uh, an offshoot and way, and and we're all mates. And I just remember that kind of paralyzing moment when I saw somebody I knew. I was like, 
oh, what do I do? Because I didn't know. I didn't want to be insulted, but I didn't know what to do. And we, we both didn't swipe on each other, did we? I, I had to go and check the rows to measure who didn't tell you I didn't swipe on Because <laughs> I didn't want to offend, I didn't want to offend you or worry you in either, either regard. I, so. I am offended. I am offended. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I needed bunny ears or like those big um, deer eyes or something. <laughs> um, so yes, our experience of the dating world is quite limited because we were quite fortunate if you look at it like that and we met each other fairly soon into our journey and um, we've spoken before about we didn't anticipate this we didn't really set out to do this I didn't expect to be in um, certainly not married or even in a relationship at this point in my life but this is where you know the kind of book of life has brought us and, and I for one am not, not walking away from this no, true uh, and I suppose, um, you know, just to, just to wrap it up, it, it gives widows an on-ramp back into the dating world, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and actually, we, you know, we're obviously both widows and um, not everybody ends up with another widow, but it is it does seem to happen sort of organically quite often because I, it's the shared experience and, again, the understanding that it's not just the two of you in the relationship, you have to make room for the person that's not here anymore. Now, we've spoken a little bit about the sort of, you know, the, the, I guess the sort of naughty and the more fun side of Mickey's interview. But obviously, of course, she also did lose her husband and she lost him in a really, really distressing way. Because um, for anybody that hasn't heard it yet, he he suffered um, brain injury following two heart attacks and he essentially was no longer there and he didn't recognise her or his son and she had to make some really heartbreaking decisions. She had to decide not to let her son go and see him when he was in this state. Sorry, if that's an insulting word, I don't mean it to be. Um, and then he subsequently got COVID while he's in a nursing home and he died. And it just, I don't know, it just feels like a really sad story, doesn't it? And the fact that he was living as this shell. And I think she really, we talk about this anticipatory grief and I, I she talks quite clearly that she really grieved kind of before he died, but was then very surprised by how strong the weight of the the shock and the grief was when he actually did die. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that as well. Was you know, you're well over there alive. You've always got the hope that they may, um, you know, recover. That some miracle may happen because there's always stories on the internet of the person who miraculously healed from cancer. Yeah, of course. Uh, or they, you know, they walk up out of a coma after fifty years. Yeah. So you always got a little bit of hope, and then when they go, like that last bit of hope is gone. Yeah. And I it, think that's where the shock comes. And you're right, human by human nature, by default, we are designed to protect ourselves from these awful scenarios, and therefore your brain almost won't really let you accept it until it happens. I think, and and often then not until a long time after. Yeah. It was interesting that she hasn't met anybody yet. I suppose running a dating agency, she's, she can't really cherry pick them, can you? So well, she, she did reference that the <laughs> website. It's a chapter two, didn't she? Um, I can, I can, I can relate. I can relate. Sometimes the, the work world does take over. I have to say that my eldest eldest child, who is thirteen, and Nikki's son is, I think, fifteen, and I'm just in sort of age appropriate detail explained to him what she was doing and. The look on his face, and I just thought, oh. <laughs> so, frankly, I'm surprised that Finn speaks to her. <laughs> well, he must but have the, a lovely relationship. The way it is, it's so role reversal because the parents don't want to know about the kids, <laughs> and the kids don't want to know about the parents. Well, like, we're too prudish in this country, I'm telling you. <laughs> Although, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but. <laughs> 
Anyway, so let's just have a little chat about our weeks and some other stuff that's been going on. You can tell that I'm absolutely buzzing to talk about this presentation because... Um, As you should be. <laughs> well, lots of you um, actually did reach out to me. I had a few messages come through both sort of publicly and privately and I was incredibly touched that people had remembered and thought of me because it was probably one of the most nerve-wracking things I've ever done. I, I kind of have my baseline as speaking at Ben's funeral as the worst piece of public speaking to do. I'm going to put this as a close second, buddy. Not the worst, but the most, um, I guess, the most frightening because I do suffer from quite um, debilitating anxiety. I know it perhaps doesn't always sound like it on here, but I, I do. And the day before, I was I was actually in a ball kind of going, I can't do it, tell them I can't do it, I have to cancel, I can't. Um, and just for anybody that isn't aware, because I have mentioned it a couple of times, uh, it was a presentation to a, a law firm and it was about returning back to work after a significant loss. And obviously it was tailored very much around being widowed, but as we're very aware, a lot of this process applies to all significant or big, big losses. But it was a webinar and I sort of vibrated under the chair. But as you would think of the, the, the swan, you know, all serene on the surface and sort of pedalling like brother under the under the surface. <laughs> but John was sort of sat off to the side in case I needed tech help or anything. And um, at the end of it, you were you were a bit wet, wet in the eye, weren't you? Because you were really proud of me. And actually, I feel really kind of icky saying it, but I was really proud too because it it was hella scary. And, and yes, yeah, so I was incredibly proud of you because to sit and watch you give the webinar, it was like you'd been giving them all your life. It, it wasn't the first tentative one. Like the first, you know, the first talk I did uh, was my brother's wedding. I was his best man. I couldn't actually hear your words on the page. He doesn't know this because I then ad libbed it rather yeah. badly. These, the public speaking side of things are, are really, really difficult, even over a webinar. Um, so you did incredibly well. And they they received quite a lot of value out of out of that session in the end. They were really really positive actually, and I've had some really really nice feedback from them. And it felt kind of I suppose empowering and almost like I was doing something positive in a world outside of this. You know, because you know outside of the widowed community and um, speaking to people who I guess aren't used to having somebody speak in such an emotive way. Uh, you know, they, they asked me at the end some quite personal questions and um, one of which was um, how did I manage to stop drinking whilst I was grieving? And I, I was a little, oh gosh, I wasn't expecting that, but it almost forced me to sort of answer the question. Like, and I guess it is just, um, I just kept not drinking each day until it became comfortable. So it's that, the old adage of one day at a time, I guess. One question that really, really touched me and made me think that it might be something that our listeners are either struggling with or may struggle with in the future. And it is something that I have some limited personal experience of. And it was her best friend was dying and she felt this enormous anticipatory grief that we've talked about. And But she also felt this guilt because she felt that her grief was secondary to this woman's husband and children. So. I get that because you're not in the eye of the storm, are you? You're a little bit removed. But you may have known this person longer than their husband has and you will have so many shared memories and they might be the person that you call when things are really, really shit and when the first person you call to celebrate with you 
And actually, that is an enormous loss, the loss of a best friend. It really is. My wonderful best friend, who happened to be called John, actually, um, he died uh, not long after we'd left university and it was a sudden adult death. It was unexplained and just completely shocked us all. And it's been many, many years and I still think of him and I, 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 I can see with that I still have some pictures of him up and I, I, I would have liked him with me this last few years, actually. I think he would have, um, I think he'd have been a really good ally to have with me, but He's not, and um, but I, I just wanted to say that grief, it, it, it is not a hierarchy. And whilst, no, of course, you cannot compare, you know, the, the grief that is different because you will still go about your life in a fairly normal way, whereas the immediate family will just have had their world blown apart. But your grief is valid and it is true and it's okay to feel these things. Um and it, it, you can also use that feeling because the feeling of grief is very personal. It doesn't, you know, no matter if it's your wife, husband, best friend, um, your next door neighbour, you still get the feeling of grief. So you can actually, if you wanted to use that to help your friends that have just lost their partner, then tap into the empathy, tap into the feeling, and you know, give a bit. Of, I, you know, I understand how you feel. Um, um, and what they want to talk about and what they want to hear. Some of the really nice things that people have told Ben's best friend, a uh, lovely guy called Adrian, he, uh, he's taken me and the kids out. He used to sort of do an annual trip out with us and we go to a farm and he doesn't have children. So for him to take out my three was probably quite the challenge, particularly when we did London Zoo and our heat wave. <laughs> but we've stayed in contact and we had this really scary moment where him and his partner and you and I, well, actually they're married now, aren't they? we went out for a meal, didn't we? And I introduced you and I was so scared and yeah. you were so scared. And I think I necked a load of booze to numb my thing. But it went really well, and and they came to our um, our wedding party. So it's, I guess, by staying close to the person that's left behind and involving yourself in their lives and their children's lives, and really not judging them for any choices they make, and just being a a, a solid friend to her husband when he when she's gone. It, it, yeah, I think maybe people are worried about looking like they're kind of zoning in on the widow or the widower, but actually. You know, friends are what you really need in this situation, and people that knew and loved the person that you've lost become very, very special. Yes, yeah, yeah, they do. They really do. Uh, so, one of the other topics that you brought up in one of your slides was sad men, our favourite subject. Yes, and actually, on Monday, I've got a guest on um, a wonderful lady called Emma Gray. And she has a um, real interest in this. She was a lawyer prior to her husband dying. And after he died, she realised that there was an insane amount of admin. I mean, I just off the cuff, I was just sitting watching the telly and I went into the notes on my phone and I just made this kind of real ad hoc list of the additional admin that you have when, I, and again, I'm, when your spouse dies. And um, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I got to 58 and I'm sure that there's loads more. I might even share the list um, somewhere and people can comment because it just seemed to keep going. And uh, I had additional complications because you throw in a lack of death certificate here, it becomes even more complicated. But I just don't think that people think about the fact that every time you pick up the phone, you are having to relay the tragic and painful story of your life. And it becomes... Oh, it just makes you feel shit and you just don't want to do it. And everything takes hours and involves, you know, loads of button pressing. And I mean, I, I was very fortunate. My parents lived with me. I've spoken about this before. And my mum is, is you know, she's a bit of a rock either when she wants to be. And she would just get 
sit on the phone or my dad would do it, sit on the phone, press the right buttons till a human came on and then hand me the phone. So, but I, not everybody has that and not everybody has the time. You know, we're talking about the presentation about going back to work. You, um, and it is, it is incredibly overwhelming and scary and just you've, even the most organised of people will feel like they are losing their mind. I'm not the most organised of people and I definitely felt like I was losing my mind. Um, Emma has channeled this loss, the loss of her husband and the skills that she had before and she has created a service which helps um, the bereaved deal with the admin. It is a painful service because, you know, she has to earn a living and but it is not a, it's not a, What's the word I'm trying to think? She's not capitalising or commercialising on people's grief. Mm. It, it is, it's, it's reasonably priced. And um, from what I can see, it looks really good. So we don't have, we don't take adverts. We don't promote. This is not a, an advert permission. I haven't used Emma's service, but we are going to talk to her on Monday and she will also perhaps be able to answer some questions afterwards in Friday's episode. Coming back to sort of the week that we've had and our own kind of mental health and, uh, you know, the things we're doing to help. Because I think <laughs> sort of by default, it's transpired that people are interested in this. And I don't want us to come across as sort of preaching um, health freaks because we're not. But I do I think there's value in, in stuff that works for us and, and we're, we'd love to hear anything that has worked for you. Now, I'm really struggling with my sleep this week and it's massively impacting my mood and keep people people have seen um, on Instagram and, and Facebook, I posted a picture, just I don't want to go to counselling. This was yesterday. I just didn't want to go. And I did. And I felt immeasurably better afterwards. And I'm really glad I went because we know the value in forcing ourselves to do some slightly challenging things. But I suppose where I'm going on this particular tangent is the idea that grief really isn't linear. And, you know, you are going to struggle to do things that you've managed to do for a few years prior. And it's going to be difficult. But so sleep like sleep is so important why won't my body let me do it yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> i know neither of us sleep very well and it's i don't know maybe we're just getting older maybe we need less sleep but i i think from the way my eyes feel in the morning that's not the case um and i used to really get quite upset and distressed and you know panic because i couldn't sleep and now i tend to stick an audio book on and um sometimes come out here Danics actually to give you a break because I slap around like a dying salmon when I can't sleep. Um, but yeah, I don't know really. I don't know why I'm sort of even bringing it up. I guess wondering if other people are struggling. And I've, I've done all the you know the good stuff, the the daylight in the morning and the meditation and the yoga and the exercise. But um, short of popping sleeping pills, which I would really rather not. I'm, I'm kind of out of ideas really. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's just one of these temporary bouts. Um, my 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 sleep's been going out for a while, but that that's I think that's more to do with being asleep for five weeks. I think that's well, enough. Yeah, yours. It's, it's been ever since you came out of coma. Has it, yeah. so I think whatever happened in there is it's it's sort of caused some sort of misfire in your sleep, um, hasn't it? You can't be asleep for five weeks. Expect to have a normal sleeping bind, can you, sir? Maybe you just got your quota in five Probably, weeks. Probably, yeah, which is <laughs> unfortunate, but um, yeah. One little piece of information I just wanted to uh, impart to the listeners is that I, <laughs> I'm not very tech savvy, I have created, I think, a Facebook group. So what I think these are is a, is more of a conversational space for people to join and talk to each other. And I'll be there sometimes, you'll pop up sometimes, and you can maybe feedback any ideas of topics that you'd like us to discuss or any issues that you think are really pressing in the widow world right now and you'd like you know, us to perhaps 
talk about it or research into it because we want this to become a podcast that you all feel part of and that we are actually addressing the issues that matter to you. So it's just it's just Widowed AF on Facebook and there's a I've managed to do both a page and a group. Well, I don't know. But um do both and <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out together. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get that straight now. Um and we're also looking to change the website to bring in more articles and help and like uh, more make it more of a resource for you guys to to you know, go further research the subjects that we, we discuss week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. Because why not, you know, share the resources that we find because there is there is power in knowledge and there's power in community and that really seems to be what's happening here. And I know I say it's a lot, but I am immeasurably proud and touched by the way that people are receiving the podcast and are reaching out to us with such empathy and kindness it is scary putting yourselves out publicly like this and talking about, you know, personal details and personal information and making yourselves quite vulnerable. But I do think that if we all, you know, take off our metaphorical capes and say we're struggling, then the world becomes a little bit easier for everyone. So to all of you, thank you. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. And as always, please do take care of yourselves. And we'll be back with you on Monday. All right. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.